0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. There's a new book being released in just over a week on April 18th. It's called Prisoner number 1056. It's the incredible true story of Roy Ratnaval, who fled torture and imprisonment in his native Sri Lanka. He was thrown in a prison camp at the age of 17 for nothing other than being born uh, a Tamil. He saw friends die. He was tortured, but through an incredible series of events, he was released and he fled to Canada. He was 18. He was alone. He had 50 bucks in his pocket, but he persevered and is now executive vice president of CI Financial, the largest investment firm in Canada. I said it was an incredible story. And we have the man here. Roy Ratnevell, is with us. Hi. Good to have you.
1: Hello, Yeah, good. Thanks for having me, and uh, happy Easter to you and everybody else who's listening. Yeah, and uh, glad to have a conversation with you
0: on this. Yeah, and I I probably kind of glossed over your story, but uh, it was a struggle both in Sri Lanka and a struggle here in Canada. So I'm going to give you a big question to start. Now that we're in a long weekend, lots of family dinners, very reflective time. When you think Mm -hmm. when you think about it, and you sit down and you take a breath and think about where your life is taking you. What does this country, Canada, mean to you?
1: Well, that is an excellent start for this conversation. Um, and I always say that um, we are all worthy of the life we desire, but it can only happen under the right conditions. For me, personally, Canada provided with those conditions what I call freedom and choice. So, I would say starting with that, and and in terms of, you know, when I came here at uh, Pearson International Airport on April um, nineteenth, nineteen eighty-eight. So about thirty-five years ago. Given my background as a prison prisoner, um, the first thing I noticed when I landed here was the uniformed officers. Staffing the airport security and the custom desk. But arriving from Sri Lanka, a country where my members of my channel, communities are routinely abused by the country's police and army, I had learned to associate such to uniforms with terror. Right. So when I saw the two well-built Canadian police officers walking towards me, I tense reflexively. But as we passed by the corridor, they merely looked at me and then said, Good afternoon, with big smiles. It was at that moment that I decided to become a Canadian.
0: Wow. That's that's awesome. That's great. Well let let's talk about the the early struggles in Sri Lanka. You're a Tamil and mm-hmm. the and basically, if I'm probably oversimplifying this, but it was a civil war going on when you were a teenager, and it was basically mm-hmm. the, the government, and was it Tamil forces who were challenging that government rule?
1: Yeah, so just to give the listeners a bit of background on this uh, contentious war, um, so Sri Lanka was a colony of um, uh, uh, burden and so when the British left in 1948, uh, they merged the two parts of the country, the North and the South. Uh, north is there predominantly the Tamil Sa, the other minorities, minorities, uh, and predomin- predominantly Hindus. And the Sinhalese, so the majority, lived in the South, predominantly Buddhist. This war is not about religion, it's about culture. Is almost like the French and the and the Canadian, uh, sorry, the, the English Canadians fighting. It's almost a similar. Mm-hmm. If I were to give some context to this, so and so this war really um, sort of peaked, I guess, the, the conflict in 1983 after the race riots in July 23rd. From then on, it just went all oh, hell broke loose, and I was unfortunately one of those uh, individuals who was in that generation that saw the whole thing unfold in front of us. Mm -hmm. And uh, so at the age of 17, I was rounded up, as you said in the intro, uh, just for no other reason than for being a Tamil, and I was sent to prison, and where I endured many forms of torture. And I was one of the luckiest one uh, to be able to get out of there alive. And my father decided to then sent me to Canada at the age of 18. I came here by myself with 50 bucks in my pocket alone. And uh, that's where my story started in Canada.
0: Right. And uh, the sad part of all this is that, was it two days after you arrived, uh, your, your father was killed?
1: That is correct. Um, so I landed here on the 19th of uh, 1988, April. And uh, two days after I landed, 35 years ago, he was killed and my father's untimely death left me with the feeling that I have to live for two people. I thought if I did well enough in life, somehow I could make it for the life he should have had because my father's death made me grow fast and become a fighter. I used that pain as coal for my furnace of ambition and Canada, this great land gave me the chance the second lease in life.
0: Wow. It's an, it's incredible. And, uh, I, I mean, are, are you bitter?
1: Well, I was bitter um, for the, probably a good part of my life earlier on because you blame everything that happened to you on others and you become resentful. And um, I think over time you realize that humanity thrives on uh, hope and optimism, and, and the world isn't all that bad, uh, because when I started looking at Canada and making new friends, and then I was completely uh, in awe of uh, what this country was all about, because coming from a country of racial division and hate, um, when I landed here, I wasn't really shocked by the snow. or by the lung-numbing cold in the winter, what balled me over was the kindness of Canadians. And um, it is, to me, a a country that uh, anything like that I've seen or or lived in or visited, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was from a far away from Sri Lanka. You know, when I came here, English was not my uh, first language, but my hopes and dreams are recognizably Canadian, and I see this every day, and I think what we should all do here on this Easter Sunday to really reflect on how privileged and, and um, lucky we are that we live here in this mm-hmm. country called Canada.
0: So we were talking a bit about how you came to Canada, and uh, you were struck by how friendly everybody was, but... It couldn't have been that easy. You were in a tiny apartment at one point with seven roommates. Was there ever a time when you thought, there's got to be an easier way than this?
1: Well, I mean, listen, I my story isn't unique when it comes to that. I, mean, mm-hmm. I think many immigrants now, before us and after us, will probably go through the same evolution in Canada. Um, and But I think what the important part here is that i think only two things that people need to be guaranteed in life as a human freedom and choice when you have that then it's personal responsibility you will be rewarded for the right choices you make by society and you'll be punished for the wrong choices you make that is the price of freedom i knew that inherently coming from a country like Sri Lanka so yeah life was tough at the beginning For many reasons, I mentioned how cold it was.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think you said lung-numbing cold.
1: Cold, yeah. It was, uh, you know, I grew up in the tropics. I'm so used to mid-30s and to see even zero, which would be a short sweater for me now. Um, But, you know, at the time I was tough and I was alone. I didn't have a lot of support. I had an uncle here who was very kind, but he was also new, uh, new to the country. So I had to start spending for myself. Um, and so, I guess in that respect, it was tough. And really understanding the nuance of a new culture, um, you know, I, you know, I, I sort of spoke English, but not really fluently. So, I really had to learn all that, um, and then really understanding how Canadian Canadian function, a Canadian society function, to really assimilate into the mainstream coming from a country where I had no other opportunity ever before. So those things were challenges, but they are challenges uh, in the sense of it's not unique to me and every single person who came here had to go through that. But other than that, you know, there were plenty of opportunities for me to get jobs. And I had three jobs. Um, You know, I would work in a factory during the daytime and then work clean buildings at night and then work as a security guard in the weekends. Uh, meanwhile, I'm trying to complete my high school uh, at night. So it was a packed schedule. Um, but you know what? Um, there is a dignity in hard work, and uh, and I think when you have fairness and a somewhat unlevel playing field. I'm not saying that Canada is perfect. No country is, but it's far better than what's out there outside of our borders. Right, and we can all, we can always make this country better than how we have found it. we should all strive for that, um but yeah, I mean, listen, um I would say you know the, my belief is that um the resistance makes people grow, um, and I do believe that humans do better in adversity than in luxury, right, and having that little bit of adversity at the beginning, um it's like. Going to the gym, you know, resistance makes your muscles grow. You need that resistance. And I, I had that. I still have that. We all have them. And I think fighting through that is, uh, is the human condition.
0: Right. And you talked earlier about, uh, the personal freedoms that, that we have in Canada that you did not have in Sri Lanka. Um, right. you know, basic rights that were denied you. And when you see what's going on in the U.S., for example, and around the world, a lot of democratic countries kind of being tested now, populations right. being divided, uh, authoritarian okay. governments, uh, you know, gaining ground. Do you see parallels with what you saw happening in Sri Lanka uh, to the Western world yeah
1: you know that's a very important question and it's something I tackle at the very end of the book because the book isn't just about immigrant boy came to Canada and made a living and all that stuff And those kind of stories are many in Canada and actually should be but what's the third act here what am I trying to tell the, the audience out there the leaders out there and I'm saying this it is far easier to denounce freedom than to attain it. And you need to talk to people like ourselves who acquired freedom, never born into it. So to me, freedom of speech is non-negotiable Western value. We all need to die on this hill. Free speech is the core to Western civilization and to identity. So I beg of everyone to really be uh, on alert for any time a personal freedom is restricted by governments or organizations, we need to speak up. That is the only uh, view or, or value that is consistent with our democratic ideals.
0: Mm-hmm. And and freedom of the press, um, the, the media is attacked a lot. And I'm guessing in Sri Lanka, the media acts a little differently.
1: Yeah, and I... Say this and not even jokingly in Sri Lanka, Sri Lanka guaranteed freedom of speech but never guaranteed freedom, of, 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 never guaranteed freedom after speech. Um, and I think that we need to be on alert for press freedom uh, in this country, in every country in the world, especially um, Western civilization. And, and as much as some people may not agree with my statement on this, and I think that Western civilization Is the most freest, rarest society ever created by humans. And and I'm saying this as someone who lived on the other side of the planet, where I experienced uh, such um, oppression and bigotry of uh, epic proportion. And it still happens around the globe. And I think that's why we should cherish what we have and protect it. It's our it's our duty to do that as Canadians,
0: right? So, when did you decide to, to write this book? When you were in your tiny apartment with seven roommates, did you ever think this would <laughs> make a good book, or or was it much later than that? Well, yeah, much later than
1: that. Um, I in nineteen so I came here in, uh, to Toronto in nineteen eighty eight and ninety eight. I moved west to Vancouver in uh, search of better opportunities in the financial services industry with the same company, obviously, and. As I start traveling across Western Canada, I have been to, you name me, a small town in Western Canada, I've been in it. And it gave me a unique view to see Canada. Um, You know, I've been to Lethbridge, Alberta, Medicine Hat, you know, Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, Fort St. John, B.C., or Fort Nelson, B.C., Port Hope, you name it. I've been to every single town, and I had bird's eye view into really talking to Canadians from many backgrounds, and in in urban cities, rural areas, and I realized that as I start talking to them, there's one fundamental uh, characteristic that binds us together. It's the, the common thing we have as humans. And I think sometimes it is so easy to pay attention to the past uh, differences than present bonds. And so... Around in my 30s, perhaps around 35 or 36, I knew I would one day write a book, a book about being terrorized as a young boy who experienced a brutal civil war in Sri Lanka and then transformed in Canada in his late teens and early 20s. Right. I wanted to tell the world a, this survival story, a Tamil boy's survival story. But I also wanted this book to give a voice to a generation of Tamil immigrants who are coming of age now in Canada and other Western nations to tell their untold stories of them or their parents leaving Sri Lanka and the experience prior to arriving on friendly shores to build a better future. And really at the end, uh, this book is a a, a homage to Canada. Yeah. At the end of the day.
0: If you want to hear more,